obviously I'm way behind on probably came up last year or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I've got the computer in front of me, obviously. What we do is we pick the date and I think we'll just pick today's date that we're taping. Okay. And then you type in the words Florida man after it or Florida woman. And okay. you see what crazy craziness occurred that day. Like somebody got arrested for something weird. <laughs> Always in Uh-oh. Florida, right? Okay. Yeah, obviously that goes without saying. So wait a second. I have to open a browser here and I just type Florida woman. Well, first today is June 8th, the day that we're taping. So right. in June, June it's 8th. the ninth. Oh, <laughs> and I'm a day late and a dollar short. So, okay. Put, punch in, all right. I'll punch in June, June 9th. 9th. Okay. Florida. 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 You put man and I'll put woman. Okay, perfect, because man came up. Okay. <laughs> okay, now now pick one and read to me what it says. Okay, I'm just going to go with the first one mm-hmm. because, because it involves a naked man. <laughs> okay. Just a second. Hang on. I clicked on it. And of course, there are all sorts of um, adver- oh, advertisements and stuff. Okay. Naked Florida man accused of bizarre crime spree that included trying to kiss an elderly woman. Ooh, maybe it was me. I, I probably, I probably, I probably asked you. <laughs> what, what year was it? Okay. Hang on. Isn't it supposed to be today? Well, I, you know, well, June 9th, it doesn't have to be this year. It can be from 1920. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Because I think, okay. Oh, thank God. I thought I had put 2022 in because that's the kind oh, okay. of thing I would do, but I didn't. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, 2020. Okay. Okay. So just two years Great. ago. Very good. Ooh. All right. I, well, I have Florida woman tries to run over man. After allegedly alleged fight over sleeping dogs, the victim was not hurt, but St. Lorenz pet duck and chicken were struck and killed. No, no, that is sad. Yeah. An alleged fight over dogs sleeping in a bed turned violent when police said a Southwest Florida woman allegedly tried to run over a man with her car. <laughs> That's terrible. Was he, was he naked and trying to kiss her? Maybe. <laughs> Um, oh. reports, uh, they, the incident took place in Lee County when Jocelyn St. Laurent got into an argument with the man before throwing a glass of juice at the victim and exiting the home. Oh, Lee County geez. Sheriff's Office deputies say that in the report, Miss St. Laurent got into her Kia Sportage and attempted to run the victim over while he was standing on the porch, making impact with a pillar and a screen door. The victim was not hurt, but St. Laurent's pet duck and chicken was struck and killed. Uh, she was arrested and charged with child neglect and two counts of aggravated assault. That oh. was from Channel 6, NBC, South Florida. And sorry, when, when did you say that was? 2020, of course. 2020, of course. Yeah, everybody went crazy with the pandemic. Okay, let me read a little bit about mine. So this okay. a Florida man's crime spree started with him exposing himself at a flea market. Don't you always want to get naked at a flea market? I do. I love a good right? flea market. I know. So I'm, I'm with him so far. Um, then stripping naked, stealing a car, and committing various other criminal acts before he was arrested less than an hour later, according to the Escambia County Sheriff's Office. Deputies said the first call they received about 23-year-old, so, so I don't want to give his name, came in at about 11.15 a.m. Wednesday from a diner inside T&W Flea Market in Penas... What is it? Pensacola? 
Pensacola. Pensacola. <laughs> Sorry. Pen- where oh, that the French uh, the French I Pensacola. Was, yeah. Was it? yeah. Pensacola. Pensacola. <laughs> sounds like your Coca Cola episode where exactly. witnesses where witnesses reported this person jumped on a coin machine while kicking and punching it, then went to the ground where he exposed himself and started screaming, "Call the cops! The dead are rising." Oh, <laughs> well, you know, oh. I think that was very prudent of him. I think from Ooh, there, uh, hold but, on, hold on. I'm sorry. What okay. was dead and what was rising? He just stripped naked. <laughs> I know because I'm thinking, I'm thinking that if it was dead, it wouldn't be rising, but well, okay. This guy is pretty incredible. So you never know what sort of <laughs> tricks he was capable of. From there, he jumped on a customer's shoulders. Oh, that, wow. Very, very, I can't talk. Very um, <laughs> capable. I don't know if I could do yes. that, especially naked. And attacked a worker who was behind the counter, grabbing her, then punching her. Okay, that's not funny. When she pushed him away, records show. Oh, yeah. my. My goodness. Well, wow. We were in the wrong place at the wrong at the, time right. or at the right time. <laughs> the right, we're in the right place at the right time, actually, because we yeah. weren't there. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Quite a sight to be seen. <laughs> well, I do you have is do you have more games to play or should I No, that was it. That tell was you what it. I was thinking. All right. So we were talking about the constellations. We've talked a little bit about those. So I was thinking, what could I I, I was just sort of thinking about, you know, the Sagittarius constellation, which is what I am. You what are you, Leo? Yes. All right. So I looked up the most evil um, star signs. Oh, fun. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, now I'm worried about me like sleeping with you a few weeks ago in the same bed. You're, you're pretty evil. Listen, <laughs> uh, you, you didn't hear what I heard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe I'm the evil one. So you, Leo's are the second most evil, um, what's it called? Zodiac sign. And Sagittarius's are the third least evil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so according to, I mean, of course I found the one that had you as the evil and me as the non-evil, right? I'm sure there are lots right. out there. Would have, <laughs> I have an opposite, but you happen to not fall on that website. But go on. It's okay. I can do it. I'm fine I, with that. Okay. Leos will do anything yes. to grab the attention they want. Their malicious mind can think of several ways to play nasty and throw their opponents in the mud in a very destructible way. Leos won't lose any chance of becoming famous, even if it means they have to murder someone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There, there you go. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's Good all you know. have to do. <laughs> Somebody will be like, will be like, you know, put a date and then write, you know, Boston woman and your name will come up as crazy Leo who murdered someone to become famous. Let All me right. Just put that on my to-do list. Go yeah. <laughs> All right. Sagittarius. They are happy-go-lucky people who, oh, oh, hang on. I missed my thing. I lost my thing. They are happy-go-lucky people who only dream of adventures and dreamy stuff. That's why I was snoring so loudly because I was dreaming. See, you're dreaming. There you go. Everybody (laughs) loves to be around Sagittarians because they are one of the yeah because they are one of the best people to chill out with, but they can also be dominating, which connotes a slight evil behavior. So, I I, I don't see that in you. I see the the 
you know, the relaxed, take a nap in the afternoon kind of person. Oh. I don't see the evil side in you. Oh, and I don't think you would murder someone to get famous. I, I think you might harm them. Um, I, you know, it might be close. Beyond, beyond all recognition. <laughs> <laughs> well, close, but, you know, probably not actually murder. Yeah. So so these are your hosts, Deb and Chris, for this episode <laughs> of Today We Laughed and Learned. We're, we hope you'll find us not as scary as the internet finds us, but you never know. You just never know well, when we might <laughs> show our true colors. Well, I can tell so, with my topic, it's, my evilness does not come out today. Okay. Mine is Thanks very so. lighthearted and lovey. Oh, oh, lighthearted. Is it dreamy? Because you know I'm a dreamer, according to my horoscope. Um, the Sagittarius like to travel. They do. They do. They haven't traveled in a while, but they, they really want to. So, okay, I could be on board with this. Get out your map. <gasps> And start marking off. The road trip is getting longer and longer. I think I'm going to take this on the road for like a year with this rate. It's it's like <laughs> a it's a world tour. It's like the Scorpions. Don't they do like a, a farewell tour every year? <laughs> you know, I saw I did see them in concert one time, and yeah. everybody from my generation is doing their farewell tour. Unfortunately, yeah. I, all right. So tell me, <laughs> how does this tie in together? Are you okay? <laughs> I yeah. I think I will. Okay. Be. I've got water. Okay, so well, I've got my water and a glass of wine, so we are set. Ooh. All right. So, as you know, we're melting. Summer is here. Although I will be honest, if I suddenly scream or something like that, there's a severe weather warning in our area. Ooh. Uh, and my phone went boop boop and all that stuff. So I'm just waiting for lightning to flash. I actually, I actually kind of <laughs> like it. Anyway, so summer's here. Well, not where, not where you are. Not where you are, apparently, but okay. Well, a summer storm, you know. Yeah, true. But this, this is the time for days out, road trips, family vacation. With the price of gas and everything, it's going to be, it could be a staycation. Yes. Uh, yes. So once COVID hit in 2020, you heard a lot of about supporting your local restaurants, etc. cetera. Uh, but a lot of other businesses suffered as well, as everybody knows. Um, and one being your local museum. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, we weren't allowed in them, um, especially these smaller kind of local kind of niche ones. You know, the one yeah. not like your big science museum, your aquarium, you know, your big ones in the city, all these smaller ones. Oh, which are usually the most interesting, I would say. But yeah. Uh, right. Or the, You know, the most, they're not just a broad range of science facts. They're like something to that area. Yeah, exactly. So, so I want everyone this year, when you're out there, Please definitely go to the big museums. I say support them and all the tourist attractions. They need all the support they can get this year, especially with lack of employees and everything else. But if you can find that small one, maybe that just take a few minutes, you know, an hour, give them a visit. Uh, they're usually much more affordable and way less crowded than the big ones. And usually the ones you'll remember more, quite honestly, if for no other reason, because of how obscure it might be. Yeah. So. I've decided today just to pick some random states, 10 okay. of them, just random. I didn't, you know, I didn't look to see what was in them first. I just said, okay, how about the state? And uh -huh. I found one, maybe two unique, very niche museums. I won't call them odd or weird or no. anything, just niche that maybe yeah. you didn't know about uh, yeah. Yeah. or that might be in your area or an area that you're visiting. Uh, oh, well, you're talking to the listeners, you, not the Debbie, you. Right. 
Oh, uh, sorry. The whole the world revolves around me. <laughs> Full disclosure, I am not a huge museum fan. I really don't enjoy museums that much. Uh, and so maybe this episode will change that. Maybe you'll, you know, restore my faith in the fact that a museum can be very interesting. Maybe it's because I always went to the big sort of boring ones. Well, museums, to be honest, have changed over the years. When I was a kid, way back when, you know, uh, pioneer times, <laughs> they were bo- they seriously were boring. It was an artifact with a little placard. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they, now, they're not like that anymore? <laughs> oh, no, no. They Now they make them big. They're really, even the most boring thing can be very interesting with the way they make them now. Oh, okay. And I think they're more like interactive now and stuff. Interactive and the the... the the signage and the walls, they paint the walls and have just big print and sum up the situation, like kind of give you a quick blurb. So you, you know, you're going to read it. Okay. You know, usually there's something in there that you'll catch or kind of remember. You're not going to remember oh. everything. Oh, okay. So, All right. So anyway, a very popular place to go in the summer is like an Alaskan cl- cruise or something like that, because look cool in Alaska's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one very popular place to go is Haynes, Alaska. It's one of the tourist yeah. spots. And there you will find at 108 Main Street is the Hammer Museum. Okay, now, but sorry. I have, to, I have to interrupt you. Yes. You, 108 Main Street. That's the address. Write it down. 108. 108. It's our oh, number. Geez. It's your museum. Uh, how, could you, how could you just say it like that all like nonchalantly it's like the the staple of our existence <laughs> i'm sorry i was excited over the fact it was a, a museum about hammers well that you know make no mistake that is exciting but 108 <laughs> you can't just like you know get past that all right go on i'm very oh i wonder if there were 108 hammers or 108 ways to kill someone with a hammer okay i'll let and you i'm know. the evil one yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. So, the Hammer Museum is exactly what you'd expect from it. It is historical hammers from different time periods in every shape and size from tiny to 20 feet tall. There's over over 1,400 hammers on display, and they have boxes and boxes of other ones waiting to be displayed. Wow. Uh, I know. There's even a display of of glass hammers, which... Kind of seems like an oxymoron. How do you use a glass hammer? Maybe it's yeah. decorative. I'm you thinking need you know, to... the, sh- the shatter element, but yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was thinking too. But maybe yeah. it's somebody who really loves hammers and mm-hmm. they have a glass one of it. Yep. Uh, you have to plan accordingly because they are only open on Wednesdays and Thursdays from 10 to 5. <laughs> However, it's a very reasonable $7 each and free for children under 12. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, somebody went through the trouble to create this museum. Yes. Can do is go drop seven bucks. Um, now, again, that was like my top pick. But then as I'm leaving the Alaska site, I'm like, oh, my God, look at this one. This one is in Homer, Alaska, which happens to be just as popular as Haynes, Alaska for visiting. Mm-hmm. And this is the Miller Comb Museum. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had hammers in one, combs in another. Well, oh, Co- I, okay, so I thought maybe that was a last name. It's an no, actual no. comb museum. Yes, like not right. brushes. Not brushes. Combs. No. Combs, okay. Yes. So the Miller Comb Museum houses 
over 3,000 ornamental hair combs. And this is according to the Antique Comb Collectors Club. (laughs) There's an Antique Comb Collectors Club. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh because I don't collect anything. I think it's fascinating to be a collector. (laughs) Sorry. There you go. No, I would. I'm going to check out the Facebook page. Anyway, um, the woman who owns it, her name is Betty. And Betty had gone to beauty school around 1951 and fell in love with the ornamental combs. And when her and her husband grew comfortable money-wise, she decided to start collecting antique ones. Mm -hmm. So this museum is run out of their home. So if you would like to visit them, you must call them for a tour. And you can do that by looking on the website. Has the phone number and everything. Okay. So that's Alaska. And I'm telling you, this is just like one or two. There's so many other niche. If you're going on a trip, take, you know, an hour and thumb through and find some oddball ones. Yeah. I love the idea of supporting those. And, uh, and now that you said that she was a a beautician or I'm not sure, esthetician, uh, hairdresser, what was Betty? She went to beauty school. That's all I know. Beauty school. Okay. I think it's, I think it's adorable that she fell in love with the ornamental um, comb and, and started a collection. That's super fun. I well, like and that. I think that's, a, I think that's the thing about all these museums is somebody found an interest in it yeah. and they just, you know, and they want to share the interest with the world. So who's to say they're not, you're not going to go in there and like, be like overwhelmed going, wow, these are really cool. You know what? It's kind of like the philosophy behind our podcast. I mean, you and I just all of a sudden thought, hey, that would be a really cool podcast. And we just hope people will keep coming to our podcast and find everything. That's all we want, people. And we're not even charging seven bucks. No, no, free of charge on seven (laughs) platforms, including. (laughs) Please like and subscribe. Five stars, five stars. Exactly. All right. So. Uh, this summer you might go to Colorado or you might go in the winter to go skiing. So if you're there, please take a moment and visit Lee Maxwell's washing machine museum. Oh my God. Yes, that's right, folks. It's the world's largest washing machine collection. He has over 1400 antique items. Um, yes. Well, Lee Maxwell is, um, a retired electrical engineering professor from Colorado State University. And he began his collection back in 1985. Okay. Uh, interestingly enough, he has taken apart, cleaned, and reassembled every single machine in the collection with wow. many more waiting in his barn. Wow. I know. He is the foremost expert on vintage washing machines in the United States. Did you happen to look, because you, you said antique and you said vintage, did you happen to look up when the washing machine was created? Maybe we should do that. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering how old. You got a phone next to you. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> In right. the meantime, let me tell you that Lee Maxwell also wrote a book. Oh. It's called Save Women's Lives, <gasps> History of the Washing Machines. Oh. See- Lee believes that the washing machine actually played a big role in women's rights, which actually makes sense. You know, yeah. once the women were relieved of having to stand and wash all day long over, you know, that, I mean, originally the rocks, but then it became the hand wringer and all right. those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it did free up a lot of time for women. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, he also has, so you know, if, you know, you like, I love the washing machines, give me more. But he also has on display some vacuums, some butter churns, some refrigerators, and some more antiques. Aww. Yeah, Very now you can call, you can call for a tour. Uh, it's seven fifty a person. Uh, he runs one at 9.30 and at 1.30. I figure he has lunch in between that. Yeah. And it is quite a bargain as the la- the tour lasts for about two hours. Wow. <laughs> you, maybe you bring your laundry and you do it. Or maybe he does it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe this is the split. I, he, they didn't mention dryers. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't even get me started on the dryer. Well, anyway, he sounds adorable. <laughs> well, to be honest, it was a couple of others in Colorado. They were quite unique. However, sadly, they're closed. Aww. So, yeah, I know. That's why I say get out there. Just take an hour every day. It's almost like, you know, support yeah. somebody. They're trying hard. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so maybe your family's heading to Tennessee now this summer. You know, Nashville, Memphis, Dollywood, home of Jack Daniels, Tina Turner, Elvis. But do you really just want to go see what everyone else sees? No. No, of course not. Yes. Okay. In Tennessee, yeah. there's plenty of choices. Swing by Trenton. Okay. And you're going to go into the Trenton Teapot Museum. Ooh. Now, I'm thinking regular teapots, but it also houses the largest collection of, and I don't know how to say this, oh. Viliusus Therius. Okay. Also known as Nightlight Teapots. Oh, my Fun fact. God. I know. Who knew? Fun fact. This is a teapot, and it has a matching stand made of porcelain where you would put a short candle or a small oil-filled vessel that you would light. You wow. burn it to keep the teapot warm. Now, these weren't just for tea. Before it was a teapot, it, what, it had a matching... Uh, before the teapot was put on there, previous to that, they used to put a matching bowl on top. And that was to warm super porridge or drinks for patients in sick rooms and hospitals. So first it was the bowl and then the teapot. Yeah. Hang on. What's that song? Um, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. Something, something, something. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then I get all steamed up. Hear me shout. Tip me over and pour me out. (laughs) Okay. Right. No, I I thought it was... Oh, wait. Okay, sorry. No, wasn't there something about how, oh, my handle broke. Now I'm a something. Didn't we used to like have a, okay. <laughs> sorry. I, yeah. I, I'm okay. guessing the cl- Canadians were klutzy. I don't know because oh, yeah. our handle never broke. Okay. As far as I know. There is something we definitely used to say to that uh, song that was like, anyway, it doesn't matter because you know what? We have got a museum with antique teapots in it that have a a candle under them burning. That sounds actually very cool. Yes. Well, let me explain to you. In the early 20th century, a Dr. Frederick Freed began to collect these in his travels. Mm -hmm. I guess he liked them. It, well, of course, he was a doctor, so originally they were used in hospitals and then eventually tea. Yeah. Uh, so he would collect these in his travels, and he actually ended up donating 525 to, of them to the town of Trenton upon his death. Hmm. He originally wanted to donate them to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, but his brother convinced him to give it back to the town. So they had Aww. something that they could, yeah. Aww. 
so I'm sure this museum is a huge draw to the town because it's a very yeah. small little town. So if you're going from Nashville to Memphis, mm-hmm. it's right in between there. And they're open from 9 to 5 and admission is free. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I love that. Um, well, there was a couple of runner-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you happen to be in Gatlinburg, a very popular place to go, mm-hmm. hit up the Salt and Pepper Shaker Museum. <laughs> That's right. All salt, all pepper, all shakers. <laughs> and another popular place that people go is Chattanooga. Yes. And over there, yes, you can go to the International Towing and Recovery Museum, meaning it's all about tow trucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Oh, wait, wait. And of course, if you're in Nashville, which is most likely the case, mm-hmm. you need to stop by the exact concrete replica of the Parthenon. So if you can't get to Greece, oh. this will have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I figure it's pretty much the same. Greece, Schmies, Tennessee, yeah. you know. Eh, I, I figure if you take a picture at the right angle, nobody will yeah. ever know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, okay Tennessee alright where so else we've are been we been to going? Alaska we've been to Colorado right. we've been to Tennessee so I popped up to Maine now this one I'm in love with and I don't know if I can get there this year but I might okay <laughs> alright I will say the choices are endless in Maine feel free to browse the internet there's so many to choose from oh. but I chose the Umbrella cover museum oh not an umbrella museum the no no the cover oh wow that's very niche <laughs> very uh it's at 62 island ave in peaks island maine uh-huh. now this museum is exactly what you think it's a collection of umbrella covers you know the ones the ones that get misplaced and lost yep <laughs> you, you take the umbrella out once and it's gone yeah i think i even well. throw them out yeah, I do too. Yeah, Don't okay. anymore. Do not right. anymore. Do you understand okay. me? Gotcha. The, the mission statement on their website is, the Umbrella Cover Museum is dedicated to the appreciation of the mundane in everyday life. Aww. It's about finding wonder uh, and beauty in the simplest things and about knowing that there is always a story behind the cover. I love that. So, I love that. Celebrating the it? mundane and the simple things that we, you and I just throw in the garbage. What kind of people are we? No longer. I am no longer going to do that. And not only that, but listen up. What? Nancy, her name is ready for Nancy three, like the number Hoffman. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, opened in 1996 with about 80 covers. It took her five years of trying to convince the Guinness Book of World Records to let her try for a world record. Mm-hmm. And they finally created her category. And on July 7th, 2012, the official count was 730 covers. Wow. But today, she has over 2,000 covers from over 71 countries. Okay. That actually really is fascinating. <laughs> Isn't that uh, neat? It's totally neat. And like just the fact that she garnered all of this attention and people sent her like from all over the world. Good for her. Very industrious. And uh, that's super fun for, I I think it adds an element of interest when it's like international. It's from all over the world. So Mm -hmm. good for her. 
Well, she is open from Memorial Day to Labor Day, Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 1 and 2 to 5. Now, Hmm. I didn't see an admission price because I don't believe there is one. They ask for donations in both cash. Mm -hmm. They want some cash. And they also would love your umbrella cover. Oh, my God. So what they want you to do, visit their website for the info. But basically, they'll give you an address. They want you to send the umbrella cover with a little story with it. And they will display it. I love that. Fun, so Deb. Yes. The next time we each have an umbrella cover, you know where it's going. It's going to Maine. Yep. <laughs> to Nancy's. <laughs> Nancy but, three Hoffman. But we have to tell have a story for it though, so we can't like give it away right away. We're gonna have to have some, you know, experience with it. Something's gonna have <gasps> to happen. That what? It will take it on its road trip and take photos with it all. Over. Yeah. <laughs> Our farewell holding the tour. umbrella cover exactly to hold yeah. our umbrella cover everywhere we go exactly. <laughs> All right, so we've been to Maine. Now let's jump over to Idaho. I'm going to touch on two. First, in Wallace, okay. Idaho. I didn't need to pause in there, by the way. Yeah. Comma in Wallace, Idaho, <laughs> is the now you're going to love this one, the Oasis Bordello Museum. Ooh, right on topic. Yes, always. <laughs> this building began as a hotel saloon in 1895. And it managed to f- survive the famous uh, fire of 1910, which, to be honest, I never heard of. And I don't because I don't live near Wallace, Idaho, but they claim it's famous. Okay. Never heard so, of it, obviously. Oh, yeah, I know. But for the town, it was probably pretty major, and it survived. So no one's sure when it went from a hotel to an actual bordello, but it did. Mm-hmm. Um, Wallace was a booming silver mining town, so business was quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1963, Ginger Murphy took over, which I love her name. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Ginger uh, Evan Murphy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, she paid good as an employee, as an employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls worked two weeks on, two weeks off, and they worked from two in the afternoon till six in the morning, which Ooh. is quite a bit. And they averaged, ready for this one, the <gasps> Falcons, oh, it's a shame. They averaged 35 to 40 customers per night. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry, you continue, but I'm just going to calculate. We said <laughs> two in the afternoon until six in the morning. Uh-huh. So that's 16 hours. Hang okay. on a second. 16 hours. And um, so 16, just a second. <laughs> See, okay. Divided by how many customers did we say? 35 to 40? Uh, yes, yeah, say 37. There's a good middle. 37. No, 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 that can't be. Okay, that is a customer every 26 minutes. If I did it right. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That, that's a lot of servicing needs. And I assume they get a break in there somewhere. I'm, I, I, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) No time for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very, very busy. Wow. So anyway, Mm -hmm. that aside in 1988, Ginger was tipped off that there was going to be an FBI raid, which was nothing unusual, by the way. Uh-huh. So she and the girls skedaddled, leaving everything behind because they figured they'd be right back. That is always the case. However, 
uh, the FBI stuck around. So eventually, <gasps> Madam Ginger just abandoned the building. Oh, I thought you meant they stuck around hoping the girls would come back and they would get Maybe some Maybe they were. <laughs> Maybe they were, but they didn't leave like they normally do. So Ginger oh. finally just abandoned the building. And then a gentleman named Jack Mayfield bought the building in 1992. And when he, uh, he saw the building was just undisturbed, he decided to open it as a museum. Uh, it gives you an inside look at how they how they worked, including all the items they left behind, such as lingerie, um, eight track wow. tapes, and other personal items. Oh I mean, it's God. exactly as it was left. Oh, uh, and this, by far, looks like a unique museum. And if it's only five, and it's only five bucks a person for a guided tour. Oh, that actually, I would love. And do we know what happened to Ginger? No way, Bridget. What no. Was her what- name? I didn't want to, I didn't look too deep into it because when you go there, they tell the whole story and everything. And I don't, yeah, want yeah, to, yeah. You know, but yeah, it yeah, definitely yeah. to me, that is put Idaho, put Idaho on our list. Yes. It, it It's going to the top of the list actually after right. that. <laughs> Hold on. While we're in Idaho, there is one uh-huh. other stop we need to make. Uh-huh. Obviously I couldn't leave this without mentioning the Idaho potato museum. Well, I was going to say, because Idaho and potatoes kind of go hand in hand, right? Exactly. How can I just say, you know, let you find it on your own. You've got to know there is an Idaho potato museum. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's in Blackfoot, Idaho. I mean, come on, selfie with a giant potato, all the potato history, potato farming, potato nutrition. I mean, you can watch films about potatoes. You can race potatoes, do experiments with potatoes. You get to see the world's largest collection of potato mashers. Oh, boy. Did I mention that they hold the Guinness Book of World Record for largest potato crisp ever made? No? Uh, Crisp like chip? I assume that means like chip. Chip. Wow. Okay, now I'm starting starting to become interested. Go on. Yeah. Well, just when you think you're potatoed out... (laughs) Hit the gift shop for all your potato needs. You get all of this, a day full of potato fun for $6 for adults and less in less for kids, AAA and seniors and military, et cetera. So right. six bucks and under to go enjoy all things potatoes. Wow. Okay. No, uh, you know, sure. Why not? I'm not a huge potato fan. Maybe that's the problem, but okay. I, I think it would be. I love potatoes i can eat potatoes breakfast lunch and dinner no problem i could oh, God. i love potatoes so yeah okay bordello and all that yes but you better follow up with some potatoes now uh, off we, to mont yes on, on our on our world tour can we mm-hmm. take separate routes like we can do some stuff together and then some stuff not together or do we have to do everything together everything together oh jesus okay well no, because this is going to coincide with our podcast and can show everybody you know, how great the places we talked about are and everything else. Oh. And how, that doesn't work, okay? Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> All right. So, okay, Montana, you are a cool-ass state. You are on my bucket list. Everything I saw was so cool and amazing, but none of it really could be defined as particularly odd. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, it... No matter what I looked at, it seemed cool even in its oddness. So all I can say is wherever you are in Montana, the the attraction or, muse- or museum that you find is going to be cool. Okay. Uh, so the only thing I came up with is if you are visiting Yellowstone, which is a good chance, mm-hmm. uh, about 35 minutes north, heading towards uh, 
Chico Hot Springs Resort in Prey, Montana. Mm -hmm. There are directions online, but you can go up to a hiking trail, and partway down the trail stands a nine-foot chicken statue. (laughs) Which is a tribute to? Nothing. It's just just a chicken statue in the middle of a hiking trail for no reason. Was it trying to cross the road? It's uh, well, maybe it's on a hiking trail. I mean, there you go. Every every other museum seemed seemed too good. (laughs) It really did. It was like I could go on forever. Oh Um, my god! So no matter what you pick in Montana, go for it. All right, you're gonna love it. Now, New York. Everyone goes to New York, but New York State particularly isn't quite New York City. Okay, but New York State has many interesting ones. And actually, there's one called the American Museum of Cutlery. Huh. I know. You're excited. I can hear it in your voice now. (laughs) Well, I'm just waiting for more. (laughs) Well, it's located, (laughs) get your pen, at 9 Main Street Uh in Chattaragas, New York. Okay. Which is evidently pretty historical in its own right. It's like... I would say probably it's a little under Buffalo. So it's pretty much up there. Kind of actually, you know what, Deb, if you go to Niagara Falls, yeah, it's not, it didn't look too far from there. All right. So, but who would so, go to the American side of Niagara Falls? I know it is kind of lame. <laughs> anyway. So back to the American museum of cutlery. Yeah. Uh, so that town is pretty historical on its own. So right now the museum is currently open Thursday through Sunday, one to four. And you might be surprised to hear it is, in fact, free, hmm. as I believe, because it says it accepts donations. Right. Uh, okay. Well, their museum has a mission as well. According to their website, it is to help preserve the histories of all individual makers, cutlery companies, and edged tool manufacturers in the Americas. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not sounding excited. No, I'm... Um, no, I think I would have to see it to get excited about it. And I do think I would get excited about it. I mean, if it was like the teapots where there was like a flame under the cutlery, I could probably get a bit more excited. I, I, I will go off script here and say, I, once I saw their website, I got pulled in. Yeah. Yeah. You see, um, I, have to, I need a visual. I think that's my issue. Yeah. Uh, so we understand. I obviously chuckled when I saw this. Yeah. Like, here we go. Uh, and I saw the museum, but when the, I saw the website. I changed my mind. And I'm totally team cutlery. Okay. Did you know the definition of cutlery from the 1700s to the 1800s was any tool with a cutting edge? No, I did not. But that is actually very interesting. So how did it become only for like food utensils? I don't know. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> so which means you'll not only see knives, spoons, uh, knives, spoons, knives, spoons, and forks, but all things with sharpened edges, a.k.a. axes to cookie cutters. Oh, okay. See, I was envisioning a museum full of knives, forks, and spoons. 10, As was I until I All went right. to their website. It's a very okay. good informative website. All right. I will go. Promise What you. I particularly, yeah, okay. What I particularly like about this museum is their purpose is not just uh, a Swiss army knife with a placard under it. Mm-hmm. They are di- documenting the stories that go along with it. Oh, I like that too. For an example, they have a pocket knife. Okay. But it is documented that it belonged to a local Civil War soldier of the 154th New York Regiment 
and the knife was at the Gettysburg. Uh, it was at Sherman's March and at Lee's Surrender. Wow. So they display a, they also displayed like a jar lid. Wow, right? But it was actually used to cut the ravioli by an Italian housewife in the town. And the list goes on. So everything they have that has a story to it. Uh, okay, that I I love that. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say a jar. How could it be considered cutlery? But I guess anything you can use to cut was considered cutlery. And that was probably her perfect ravioli size. Yeah, you know, so she probably always kept that one lid. Yeah. Uh, so this lovely museum, they are looking for people to document their sharp edge cutlery from access to cookie cutters. They want your stories. They want you to take a photo. Uh, like if it's something of your mother's or your grandmother's something, ask questions about it and then share the story of it. They'll also help you write that story if you're not sure how to do it. Okay. They're on a mission. So please go to the website at amcut.com, A-M-C-U-T.com. It's like a five-minute read, but seriously, it's I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I am going to go. Yeah. You know, you have your grandmother's old, like we said, your old cookie cutter. But what you remember is, you know, maybe it was her grandmother's. And you remember cutting cookies with it as a kid. That's what they want. Yeah. Or the wooden spoon that, you know, your grandmother used to beat you with. Maybe not. <laughs> when you tried to eat the cookie, she tapped you lovingly on the hand with it. Oh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, where, where are we off to now? Well, being New York, we're going to go to New York City. Okay. Uh, there's the museum. Oh. How many m's does that have in it? That would have two m's in the beginning, two m's at the end. Is it to do with cows? Not at all. This okay. museum is this museum is actually located in an elevator shaft. Very cool. Yeah, it's at Four Cortland Alley in New York City. Uh-huh. It has a revolving display of oddities, basically uh, specialized in overlooked, dismissed, and ignored items, such as paperworks found in copying machines or personal possessions found in the Pacific or something simple like a plastic glove found at Paradise Valley, Montana, <laughs> similar to the umbrella cover story, you know, right. yeah, this, okay. this museum, which is an elevator shaft. Okay. Has a viewing window that's open 24 um, seven. If you want to go in to it, it's open Friday and Saturday from 11 in the morning till 6 PM. And it does only fit three people at a time. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. They also have an 800 number to call and it gives you a free audio guide as you're looking in the museum. But so wait a second. Sorry. Yeah. How? Okay. It's, it's an elevator shaft and mm-hmm. where is the stuff like, okay. Stupid question maybe, but are people going up and down in the elevator and somehow viewing this stuff? Not is- at all. Okay. It's, yeah. This- the the elevator shaft is stationary. I believe it's like they broke open the wall of the building. Okay. And it's just the elevator doors, which they've replaced with glass doors, so you can see the wind, see everything on display, mm-hmm. and you just walk okay. into it. They, it's an unused elevator shaft now. Okie dokie. With floors. Yes, I'm sorry. The, the elevator, what do you call that? <laughs> it's the elevator compartment. Yes. Opened up and they've put shelves inside of it and they have those items uh, on display. Okay. Okay. I got it. All right. Okay. I like and, that. And the museum was created by three filmmakers and it was sponsored by the late Kate Spade. Huh. Okay. 
quite recent then. Well, I don't know when she sponsored it. Oh, right, right, right. But it's been around for a while. I mean, we just added the words, the late, recently. Right. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly. Kate Spade. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay, I like that. Okay. So the eighth state we're going to is West Virginia. And now to be honest, I really wanted to highlight um, this one museum called the Archive of the Afterlife, uh, the National Museum of the Paranormal in Moundsville. I really wanted to do that one, but I think the Mothman Museum in Point Pleasant was just a slight bit odder. What? Okay, I need to know what the Mothman Museum is. Quick backstory. If you don't know who Mothman is. Like me? Which, you know, to be honest, I've heard of Mothman, but I always kind of like, like well, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. But he is a humanoid creature, an actual supposedly humanoid creature that was seen in Point Pleasant, West Virginia between 1966 and 1967. Mm-hmm. It's a mix between a man and a moth with red eyes. Oh my God. Uh, he was seen by a man and was blamed for a bridge collapse that killed 46 people and injured nine. But many people saw this in, in over a year, this oh my God. figure. And I mean, they even made a movie about it, the Mothman prophecies, which isn't Richard Gere in that one. I have to go back and actually watch it. Now that I realize it was actually based on s- supposed. Yeah. Uh, actual events. Event. Yeah. 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 I'm writing it down. Uh, so now suddenly it became very interesting. <laughs> I always yeah, yeah. ignored it. Like, you know, oh, I like Bigfoot and all those things, but I kind of ignore them. You know, they're fun to hear. But this one, I'm like, oh, huh. Yeah. I think I might check this one out. All the documents and articles um, related to the Mothman Prophecies movie and all the mysterious happenings in the town at that time are on display in this museum. They're open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very reasonable to go. Uh, 11, ages 11 up are like $4.50 and under 10 is like $1.50. Wow, amazing. Uh, it has a giant Mothman statue outside and everything. They offer Mothman tours that's about a little over an hour long. It takes you to all the historical Mothman places that they supposedly saw him or where events happened. Oh, I love that stuff. Um, yeah, and that's like $25, which is still reasonable. And just so you know, you're going to be busy September 17th and 18th. Oh, what am I going to be doing? You will be at the annual Mothman Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, all things Mothman. They have bands. They have pictures at the Mothman statue. They have food, Mothman, hayride, cosplay, uh, men in black. Because evidently, men in black showed up in this town looking for this Mothman. You know what I'm saying? Really? Uh, Yes. There's bus tours. And my favorite, there's a Mothman 5K. Oh, my God. (laughs) Do you have to dress up Uh, like him? Oh, I'm sure there's... No, they have cosplay, so there must be lots of people to dress up. I'm sure. so I, everybody, West Virginia, go to the Mothman Museum, you know? Yeah. You, you know where to put that. Oh, yeah. On a road trip. Oh, yeah. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're getting close to the end to think. We can do five more episodes of this. Now, <laughs> I hope everyone's enjoying it. I really do, because I think it's fun to highlight some of the oddities in every state. It is. And the other one about the afterlife would have been interesting too. So maybe you can tell us more about that. What was that called? It was called, wait a minute, go back a page. It was called Archive of the Afterlife, the National Museum of the Paranormal. Okay. I'm writing it down. Where are we going next? Mm -hmm. We're going to Maryland. All right. And believe it or not, Maryland, you did not disappoint so many choices, but decided on two. However, the first one, 
you cannot just walk into, you need to make an appointment. So I'll mention it in case you choose to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the town of Lin- Lin- Linthicum, Maryland. Uh-huh. If, if, couldn't anybody just live in like, you know, like, like Williamsburg? Smith Sound, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it is the William P. Deduce Center for Urological History. Uh, oh, boy. Yes, again, all things urological. Oh, my God. Uh, yes, and if you choose to book a tour with them, I believe it's free, but I might be wrong, but there's no price online, and they do accept donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash, not urological. Uh, <laughs> if you're kind of interested or not sure, their website is great and has tons of information. Okay. So, wow, they're the really... Problem? There really is a museum for everything, from what I understand. For everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, the runner-up was the Harve de Grasse Decoy Museum. Okay. So, I'm thinking, like, spies. I'm thinking SB- FBI, CIA. Yeah. Yeah. They're thinking duck decoys. Oh, my God. It is located in the Susquehannan flats again reasonable rates six dollars for adults five dollars for seniors youth and free for kids under eight mm-hmm. they're open seven days mm-hmm. monday through saturday 10 30 to 4 30 and sunday 12 to 4 wow. now their website states they have the they house the finest collection of chesapeake bay duck decoys I know you're fascinated. The museum's mission is to preserve the historical and cultural legacy of waterfowling and duck decoy making. Can I just, so a duck decoy, <laughs> sorry, let me just get straight. <laughs> it's like those floaty things, right? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It, I just wanted to they, make sure. The, I was, the, the, and good God, you're from Canada. You gotta have them. We do. I just what didn't do know what mean? they were called. <laughs> What else do you people do up there? <laughs> Name stuff. No. All right. Yeah. I didn't know what they were called, but now I do. There you go. We learned. Yeah. You learned. I knew what they were yeah. called. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I feel bad. My grandmother, I had a bunch of them in the house and I just assumed they were just decorations. And I realized they were probably gross. So I'm like, yeah, moving on. So as I said, the museum's mission is to preserve the historical and cultural legacy of waterfowling and duck de- decoy making. Now, while visiting the decoy capital of the world, you will see exhibits such as what is a decoy, gunning the flats, and the Carver's Gallery. It also houses the nation's finest library dedicated to information on decoy carving. The Carvers themselves, decoy collection, waterfowling, wetland ecology, guns, bird identification, and bird biology. They also host the Harve de Grasse Decoy and Wildlife Art Festival. Wow. Sadly, we just missed it. Oh. Uh, it was April 29th through May 1st. Yes, it's a three-day event. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> yes, it is held annually. Mm-hmm. And they just celebrated their 40th year of this festival. Okay, so here's the thing. So here, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I, I'm not finding this that interesting, but that's because I'm seeing it from the outside. Like, if I lived there and I lived in this sort of festivity and and sort of understood the significance and everything it meant for my community, I'm sure I would be super psyched about it. That's why we have to go and see and experience it. Uh, Really? (laughs) Well, I don't know. 
I really, I have to be honest. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'll do it because we did it and I would go and I'd be gung ho. Yeah. yeah. I prefer yeah, it. Sorry, it probably wouldn't be in all. I would prefer the urological museum to be honest. Oh, but that maybe, bad. Yeah. maybe I'm wrong. You could be right. Maybe I'm going to get in there and just be, discover something new but you know not everything is for everyone well but there you visit know. these little museums you support them and you learn and then you walk away going hmm, okay not for me but good for them yeah exactly right? exactly i preferred when you i remember that um event where housewives or something made pancakes and they had to like run around the church three times and then they oh god that's the amazing bell ringer that yes. I, I can i i get I would totally do that. But yeah, I don't know. Duck markers or whatever they're called. I can't get excited about. <laughs> I can get excited about the bell ringer. But, but you know what I get excited about? is taking a picture outside of it going, we came. Okay, true. <laughs> we did okay. it. <laughs> but the Mothman 5K is I'm all for it. Yes, for sure. If if I could actually run. But you can run for both of us. You can hobble. That's fine. <laughs> 5K is for everybody. All right. So for our final, final state this time. Oh. If you're in Mississippi, I know. Well, already yeah. it's the 10th state. Crazy, huh? Yeah. This one is located in Iuka, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And it is another unique museum, again, aimed at a household item. This time, the simple apron. Believe it or not, an apron holds many memories for so many people. Mm, I'm sure. Think back. I mean, your grandmother probably always wore the same apron for a thousand years, you know? You know, she might have one that she would wrap on you, you know, every time you visited her, that kind of thing. Well, my particular grandmother, I don't think cooked. But but, but anyway, somebody listening might be able to relate to that story. If if you have a relative that cooked and they're of a certain age. Anyway, so visit the Apron Museum. This adorable 1,200-square-foot museum has collected thousands of aprons from around the world. Wow. And, again, the stories behind them. Uh, You see, that's the whole thing to me. Right. Yeah. That's what I said. These museums, and all museums, actually, most of them now, they don't just do the little placard that says from, you know, there's a story behind them. So they make it interesting to read. Some in their collection date back as far as the Civil War. And their collection covers everything from history to artists to grandma's old apron that she used to uh, when she made her famous apple pie. Mm. Now, the owner, Carolyn, was quoted as saying, the apron is the only man-made object that has been with us as far back as you can remember. Really? Uh, Yes. Well, and I tried to get, now I looked, they only have a Facebook website. I tried to get like hours or what time, and Mm. I couldn't get anything, but they're still posting. So I would say they're open. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't seem to find the information as to when. And to be honest, I did message them, but they didn't respond. But they're Aww. still posting. So that tells me they're open, that they made it through the. Yeah. You know? No, I'm more so I was wondering about, I, I'm pretty sure the apron is not the oldest man-made thing. <laughs> no, probably but, the knife is. If you go visit yeah. the American Cutlery Museum. Yes, they have some, or the, the hammer. hammer Museum. Or, or the comb. Or, well you know what is urology is definitely the oldest man-made thing i think you're right yeah i'm pretty sure that's urology (laughs) no it's urology sorry (laughs) but i mean all these things they all hold special memories and whether it be decoy ducks aprons (laughs) or hammers 
Yeah. It's something for anyone. So that's it for today. So if you like it, let me know. I'll cover 10 more another day. Like I said, uh, these little local guys, I'm sure were hit hard. And oh, uh, yeah. so even if you normally wouldn't stop, maybe just take an hour out of your day and uh, yeah, you might be surprised what you find. And if you do go, or if you've been to one of these, we'd love to see a picture or hear or share a story with it, uh, which we can share with everybody else or not. That's up to you. So happy yeah. travels, everyone. Oh, thanks for that guide. No, it's true though, because I just, uh, whenever I travel, I kind of, um, I don't really feel like seeing the really touristy stuff. I want to sort of get a, a taste for a day in the life or the, the quirkier stuff. So I think this is perfect for anybody traveling to those states. I think I, I'm a pain in the butt to travel with because I like everything. I want to see how everybody lives. I want to see the day in life. I want to see the touristy yeah. things. And I want to find the the quirky, as everybody can tell from my stories, yeah. <laughs> what I pick. I need to see the quirky oddball stuff. Yeah. I need, exactly. I need everything. I cannot oh. go someplace for a day. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh my God. I love that. Oh, maybe if you do do another episode like this, you can do it on Canada. So anybody visiting Canada can, um, can fi- figure out some quirky places to go. Now you would say, maybe I could do that. Being the Canadian. <laughs> I, that won't happen. And to be honest, I'm the one who makes you as Canadian as you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> well, I don't think you've ever focused on Canada as much as you have in these, these past few weeks. <laughs> you, you bring out the patriotism in me. <laughs> Being the evil Leo that you are. <laughs> That's right. Well, well this if this was, is as evil as I get, then I think we're okay. Yeah, we are definitely <laughs> okay. And this was a great episode. Thank you. And it was perfectly timed because holidays are starting and people are hopefully traveling. So thanks so much for that. And thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of Today We Laughed and Learned. We would love to hear from you, like Chris said, um, any sort of things that, you know, experiences that you can share with us that, you know, some of our, maybe our podcast has sort of um, brought up for you. We would love to hear from you on Today We Laughed at gmail.com or on Instagram at Today We at Today We Laughed and Learned. I'm getting confused. Uh, Facebook <laughs> at Today We Laughed and Learned. And we would love it. Absolutely love it. Um, obviously for you to keep listening on any platform, the one that, you know, suits you the best, but also to give us a five-star rating, to follow us, subscribe, and just generally uh, help support us and spread the word. We really appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure that today we can say that we laughed. And we learned about some quirky places to go see in the 50 states. We sure did. Have a good one, Chris. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.